Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. Well, good evening to everyone. I think it's uh, well noted that I'm not uh, Pastor John Bingham. If you think I am, you need your eyes checked. But if you're a visitor here tonight, my, our pastor has commissioned me to bring the message, and it's my privilege for the first time to preach in our church. And I have to warn you, uh, after 45 years preaching in Asia, Philippines, my message is normally an hour plus. I'm working, I'm working on it. I'll do my best. But if I go a little bit over, you understand. Hopefully. Uh, nobody has anything to throw. I, I thought, asked Brother David if there was any electronics in this that would zap me if I did wrong. And I've been assured I'm safe. So tonight we are going to look at something into the new year. Of course, that's an obvious thing. The last day of, night of 2022. And this has been an unusual year. But every year is unusual. Uh, there's good times, there's bad times, there are times that we love and we remember, we have fond memories, and then there's bad things that we remember too. And uh, those seem to stick with us better, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, our purpose tonight is not to concentrate on 2022, obviously we want to look at 2023. Now, I'm not going to predict that Jesus is coming back this year, but he might. I just know that uh, the possibility is every day. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, Where there's no vision, the people perish. I want to talk about what I believe are the three indispensable qualities for a church to continue to thrive and to expand to develop, to do God's will. I believe there are three things that we need to always keep in our mind. Now, these are simple things, and it's not my intention to give you something brand new, because, you know, you folks that are my age, you already know there's not much brand new anyway. But it is my purpose tonight to remind. I would like to motivate, I would like to encourage with these three things, of what we ought to keep in mind as we go about the business of serving the Lord as Hillside goes about our responsibilities. The common denominator in any church must be a great leader. If a church is going to grow and become 
more than it was yesterday, it's going to be important that the leadership be quality. Now, I've learned in my short life that people follow leadership, and when they do follow the leadership, rather, that's when they accept the vision of the leadership. Nothing happens in this life without vision. That's what Proverbs 29, 18 is talking about. Now, we, we've heard it applied so many different ways. Uh, it's applied to service. It's applied to personal uh, ambition. It's applied to so many ways. But I want to apply it tonight, uh, the vision of our leadership. You and I have a responsibility as members of this church. If you are a visitor, then in the church that you belong to. We have a responsibility to accept the leadership that God has given us. And to do that, we dedicate ourselves to accomplishing the vision that God has given him. Because that's what makes great leadership. A good pastor is going to know to lead the church in God's will. And God is going to instill, to implant into that leadership the vision that it, we, you and I, are commissioned, are responsible to follow and to accomplish. And without that vision, nothing is going to happen. And one of the main purposes of our pastor is that vision. You like to have him come and visit you in the hospital. You want to greet him. You want him to be friendly to you. You want him to preach a dynamic message, and he certainly does all of those things. But the direction of this church comes from the Lord. Generally speaking, it's called theocracy. God leading this church through our pastor. And he sees the vision that God implants in him that we are to accomplish at a church. That is what we are responsible for. The prophet of God sees first. The prophet of God sees the most. And the prophet of God sees the farthest into the future. Most of us as members of the church, we, we are occupied with today. Tomorrow, we are occupied with the responsibilities that we have. Now, I've always taught our students in our seminary in the Philippines that the first law of leadership is the law of vision. And that law simply says that people will not actually accept the leadership of a leader until they will accept his vision. That's the important part for us. Nothing happens Nothing of value is going to occur until we start considering the future. What we did last 2022 is wonderful. The church is alive. We have a variety of age groups in this church. This church is not a dying group of old codgers like me. We heard some amazing singing just now from these young people. Young couples with families that are the future of Hillside Baptist Church. 
But that is what we are concerned about, is the future. And I mean, nothing happens until you see the future, until someone says, here's where we are going. And that's our pastor's work. Our church will become greater when we follow that vision of our pastor. Hillside will never be greater than the vision. By the way, let me just insert this for you fathers, you parents of your families. It applies to you also. Your family will only become as good or as great as you have a vision for it. You don't just raise your children day by day. You raise them for the future. That's why you send them to school. That's why you teach them to be polite. You teach them to be good citizens because you know what the future is. The same thing applies in our church. So what do you see as an individual member of Hillside? What do you see that God wants to do with you? I don't know how you want to be involved. That's not my part. I don't know what Pastor John wants you to do. That's his business. A leader can delegate responsibilities within the organization, and he might tell you to do something. Vision, however, is something that the leader must have. And I believe we have that kind of leadership. Now, I do want to bring you to the second quality that goes with vision, and that's commitment. I've always taught our students to follow the leader, be careful. To do that, you must be committed to it. In Luke chapter 9, in verse 22, the Bible says, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be slain and be raised up the third day. You know, you understand Jesus knew that was coming. He already knew it before he came to earth, and yet he did it. He was committed to his responsibility. And I suggest the same thing is true with us. Jesus did exactly what he came to do, regardless of the opp opposition or the difficulties and what he knew was coming, the pain, the agony that physically he would bear. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Verse 10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. I want to emphasize that do. It's good to talk about it. We have plans. We have a vision of our pastor, but we must commit to do it. Commitment, commitment is a mindset. It's a way of thinking. It's a lifestyle. It's not something that we do once or once in a while. We should be determined to have that attitude in our life. 
Every morning, every day we get up, there's a commitment to something, to a job, to our family, to the responsibility of life. Commitment is that attitude. How we develop it is going to determine what we accomplish. When God says go, are you willing to go? Or do we make excuse and we lay it off on someone else? You know, I'm just not able, Pastor. God uses the individual that is obedient in that commitment. The man who is obedient to God's commands. I'm convinced that successful people are not always extraordinary people. Don't believe that for a minute. They are just ordinary people with an extraordinary attitude of commitment to continue to do what needs to be done. And Luke chapter 9, verse 22, is what we're talking about. That commitment. You know, you don't determine a person's greatness always by his wealth. That might be a side issue. It may be an advantage. It may be something that came along. Maybe their education has put them at a higher level in what we call the elite, you know. But we notice the ability to keep on, the ability to keep on doing what they're supposed to do, the ability to be dependable, to be counted on, not an employer that I know wants an employee. He never knows if he'll show up or do his job. Nobody wants to be around people. No wife wants a husband that's lazy and is not dependable. No husband wants a wife who stays in bed half the day. If, uh, don't somebody back there? No, I guess not. I might say this, commitment is not the absence of uh, fear, afraid to do something, afraid of failure, for example, afraid of being ridiculed. That's not what commitment is. Many times I've been determined to do a job for God, but in my mind I'm a little bit concerned. I don't know what the devil I'm doing. I have no concept of what I'm going to accomplish. I have no idea how to go about it. My wife and I went to the Philippines in 1979 without a clue. No idea what I was going to do. Didn't know where I, well, I thought I knew where I was going, but God changed my mind the first day. I'm simply saying that that is not the evidence of success that you are boastful and bragging, you're narcissistic, and you just know everything you have to do, and you've got it all under control. No, that's not the evidence of success. The evidence of success is that you were committed to do something, and God led you through it. That's what this church needs. You don't look at the vision of our pastor and say, how in the world can I do that? Well, maybe you don't know. We have visitation. Do you come to that, or do you think, I don't know how to do it? I don't know what to say. I'm shy. 
Well, there's no commitment to God's will then. There's no commitment to the vision that the pastor has for our church. What we should say, if it is God's will, he's going to supply what I need. He will make me able to get it done. Another quality that we certainly need in our church for the new year, if we are going to accomplish God's will, is called enthusiasm. What excites you? What gets you going? Somebody says, what starts your motor? Some, <laughs> this always comes to my mind. Some years ago, we had a young lady come to the Philippines, wanted to work with us, and she had an expression I thought was kind of cute. She would say, what is it that blows your hair back? Colossians 3, verse 23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as in the Lord, and not unto men. Can you get that in your mind? What we do in this church is not to boast in Springfield that we are this, that, or something else. Our purpose is to please God. Our purpose is to do His will, to accomplish what He wants. In verse 24 there it says, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye served the Lord Christ. These, uh, I have some questions I would ask you. I would ask you what excites you. But then beyond that, you know, it's easy to get started. It's easy to get excited and pastor to paint a picture of what we want to do and what the church is working to accomplish, and we get excited for it. But then I want to know what does it take to slow you down. But then more important, what does it take to get you moving again, to get up? And accomplish what it should have been done in the first place. You know, it's easy to measure how far a person will go in life by measuring their enthusiasm level. In other words, what starts your engine is what I said a while ago. What gets you excited? What excites you in life? Is it just money? Is it just education? Is it just TV? Is it the PS5? Is it your cell phone game? On a personal observation, are you optimistic? How big is your God? One of our churches in the Philippines had a big building, actually the first I say this in all honesty. My the second pastor that I trained was the first Filipino to build his own auditorium and church with Filipino money. No American money involved. And it was big. The auditorium was a little bit wider than this. Ceiling was 40 feet high. He had two balconies. They could seat about 1,800 people. The balcony was huge. 
And he had these banners over here mounted in frames, gold-colored frames. And one of them said, how big is your God? What does that mean? Well, the idea is the bigger your God is, the bigger you think you can accomplish. Because it's God the one who does it. We're not the one. We don't build this church. We are the foot soldiers. We are the ones who do the work. And, but God is the one who builds the church. God is the one who saves the souls. God is the one who furnishes the leadership to our pastor, the vision for the future. But we must be committed and enthusiastic to get it done. That's our job. One concern, or our concern, should be about what or who are we? What are we doing? What is my part? What am I accomplishing? That's not the question of faith. It's the question of accomplishment, of doing. We need to realize that our growth should be about who we serve. Without that, it's just wasted effort. You know, it's exciting to serve the eternal God of the ages. It's exciting to know pastor preaches on this all the time, and it's always a great thing to hear how great is our God and who we serve, the author and the finisher of the universe. The difference between winners and losers, though, I'm convinced, is their enthusiasm. A desire to be involved. The problem is, is that some people look at a task and what they see immediately is why they can't do it. I said a while ago, are you an optimist? We ought to look at a job and whether we think we can do it or not, we can realize that God will make us able. I don't have to be optimistic because of me. I'm optimistic because of who I serve, the God of the universe. That's why I can be excited. That's why I can be happy in any circumstance. It's sad to say there's some things that are going to attack and even defeat our enthusiasm sometimes. All of us get down. All of us are discouraged from time to time. We look at what we've accomplished. We look at what's happening around us. We look at others. We look at so many things in our life, and it can be very discouraging. It can be. But let me give you just a few things that will affect you as it does me. One thing is your past sins. Too many times we get our mind on the things we've done in the past and it pulls us back. It takes away the joy. It takes away the pleasure of serving God. Serving God. God reminds us of our sinful past and the failures and the issues that we have committed in our past. It's kind of like a pair of handcuffs that bind us and we can't get loose. We're in a bondage of some kind. It's important, though, to never forget that 
we have been forgiven. That's not on us. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You know, the word all is really inclusive. I mean, it's big. The second thing that can, can uh, discourage us is circumstances. We can't control circumstance. We cannot dictate what will happen today or tomorrow or the next day or the future of any time. And many times those circumstances drain our joy. Just suck it right out of us because we have lost control. I think of all the things that make me discouraged is where I've lost control. I have no answer. I can't find any solution. It's just not in my head. What you do have a choice over is how much you will trust God. How far can you accept that he is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful, that he is the ruler? Now, I don't always have a choice what happens to me, and neither do you. But you've heard this before. You do have a choice of how you respond to it. The third thing that will take some of your joy away, take excitement out of your life, are people. Have you noticed that? They're just some people who are downers. They never smile. They never make you feel good or bad. They're just there. Sometimes they do it on purpose. People gossip, people murmur, people complain, people have something to say about everything. They just drain our enthusiasm. Rather, rather than letting God have the control of their life, they're just a black spot, so to speak. They're, they're like that thing in the universe, you know, that, well, they call it the black hole. They just suck all the light right into it. Those people just cannot seem to let the Holy Spirit fill them. And that's what we need, by the way, is to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and have the control of our life. So we need to take the initiative and go to them with our enthusiasm. Overcome their negativity. Overcome their attitude. Cover over that black hole. The fourth thing that will take away our enthusiasm is criticism. You know, when you're criticized, don't let it stop you. Someone said, if you're never criticized, you're not doing anything. And that's true. Very simple statement, very simple truth. If there's nothing to criticize you for, you're not doing anything. So I'm saying to you, would you rather be criticized for failure or for exuberance. Would you rather be criticized for being a downer or 
I want to say upper, but that's not a good word to use. That brings me back to methamphetamine or something. <laughs> but that's what ought to happen. We ought to be the source of enthusiasm. We ought to be the source of excitement. We ought to be the source of the Holy Spirit working through us. And yet, we allow criticism to stab us and poke the balloon. One more are past failures. Did you ever feel like you are a failure because you tried something and it didn't work? Everyone's failed at something. These are simple things. I'm not saying anything so deep and so unimagined. But we've all failed at something. We've all tried something that didn't work. Somebody said, failure is never final. Many students over the years, I, of course, we had a Bible college, and for 45 years I've taught, and I've learned to watch students and how failure attack them. They fail a class, they fail a test. And I found that the young men who learned by failure were the ones who were going to build a church. The men who did not were the men who dropped out. Failure is a learning experience, it's not the end. <laughs> Failure is a great teacher. Don't do that again. There are three types of people in our, in our way or in our church. There's the risk takers. Those are the ones who march ahead. Those are the ones who get behind the pastor and do the things that don't seem to be able to be done. Those are the ones who are willing to just do what pastor says, what God leads them to do. They're just willing to take on and do whatever they can. Risk takers. And maybe in our congregation tonight, we have what's called, I would call caretakers. Uh, these are the ones who maintain the flock. They're kind of the glue of the congregation. They, they're just there. They kind of hold people together. They, they're, the, they're the salve of a sad person. Uh, they're the one that everybody looks to and, and loves them, and, and they're involved in most everything. They're the caretakers. And it's sad to say, then there's the undertakers. They kill the momentum. Church gets excited. I don't know. I heard this a long, 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 long time ago. Maybe you've heard the joke. Uh, there was an old man in the church, and he was against everything. I mean, if the pastor said, let's put new carpet, pastor, we don't need new carpet. Let's just put cement down the aisle. So, I mean, everything. Didn't matter. So one day they were having a, group meeting, and he said, look, men, what we need to do, uh, let, I think it would be wonderful if we put a big chandelier right in the main foyer of our church. This old man said, no, Sir Pastor, what we need is more light. 
That's the way some people are. They just suck the light out of everything. They just take away the joy. Here's something to think about as a church. If we want to make the job of pastoring this church more easy for Brother John, let's just quit doing anything. Let the church die. Because that gets real easy to pastor. Nothing's going on. Nothing to do. Just come and preach. Make it easy. But if we want him to work, we want him to earn his salary. Let's build the church that it gets bigger and he just has to work more and more and more. That's what we ought to do. If we want the church to continue to grow, then the job for the pastor will become progressively more difficult. Now, you know I'm being facetious here. I'm not saying let's just whip up on Pastor John. That's, uh, that's not the point. Every new day, every new day in our life, in the life of this church, those three elements are needed. Vision, commitment, and enthusiasm. Without it, this church will die. Every day has opportunities in our personal life, in your families. Every day there are opportunities. Now we can either be so, you know, like a horse with the blinders. You just see straight ahead. You don't see over here. Some people are like that. They go to work. They come home, watch TV, fall asleep on the sofa. Go to bed. Get the blinders. If we don't see the vision of pastor, if we don't accept his vision, and then see our responsibility to accomplish it and become excited to do it, the church has a very small future. A very level future. Our attitude ought to be, our prayer every day ought to be, God, I know you're going to do some exciting things in my day. I can't wait to see what they are. I want to challenge you tonight. Not only be committed, not only to be involved, but to be excited about it. To see what God is going to do in 2023. I, I, I'm convinced there's some amazing things going to happen. And I want to be part of it. I want to be involved. I want to be somebody. I don't mean that everybody recognizes. I mean somebody who's committed to serve and do what Pastor John Bingham instructs us to do. What he leads us to do. To accomplish exciting things. To exciting this new building is only a small thing. A building's not a big deal in a church. It makes it able to do things, but the doing things is the important part. What good is the building if there's no people to use it? My, 
God wants to do great things through us. God wants us to be involved. God wants us to be excited about it. And when God lets you know what he's doing, how will you respond? Will you be committed to it? Can you get excited? Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for his help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?